Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Buckeye Talk. This is your Cleveland.com Ohio State coverage team, Doug Maurice, along with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman. Thank you again for listening to – is this the most popular podcast on iTunes, Bill? Is that right? It's Number the, one overall? It's the most popular podcast on my computer. Um, I don't know if it's number one – I think it's number one overall. It's up there. In the nation or the world? Uh, definitely in North America, possibly the world. Um, yeah, if you search Ohio State on iTunes, you'll find us, and it'll be, it's very easy to find us. So, yeah, we're number one, un- irrefutable. I mean, we're only the number one podcast stars in my apartment complex. Welcome, North America. Uh, we're going to talk about our Ohio State predictions for the 2016 season, and before we do that, we'd like to revisit our predictions from a year ago when Ari and Bill said Ohio State would go 12-0, and and I said they would go 11-1, and and they went 11-1. and Correction, Doug wanted to make sure that we revisited yeah. our predictions from last year so he could pat himself on the back. I did say that they would beat Maryland. Guess what? <laughs> Nailed it. I don't think they're going 12-0 and this year, uh, so we'll get into that for the next 30 or 40 minutes or so. Um, I think it will be a more interesting year. I always think things are more interesting when the team you cover could possibly lose. And I find sometimes that is different than what fans think is interesting. Fans think that, you know, 40-point wins every week are interesting. But this is – there's more in flux because they have more question marks and the schedule is tougher. I actually wrote this like months ago that this is the schedule that last year's team needed to play, that last year's team needed to be pushed early – with a game against Oklahoma like this, they needed to play some better teams during the Big Ten season. Instead, they cakewalked through 10 lousy opponents, didn't play that well, and then when they got to Michigan State, they couldn't get it done. This is going to be a team that actually is going to be tested a bit. The trip to Oklahoma is going to be really tough. They get Nebraska, they get Wisconsin, they get Northwestern. Those are three much tougher games from the West than what they've gotten lately. And Michigan's going to be better. And Michigan State's still going to be good. And I think Penn State might be a lot better. Bill sort of smirking. I don't know. I, uh, we, we don't have to talk about Penn State, but I I don't know about James Franklin, man. I think he's a good recruiter, dynamic personality. Football coach remains to be seen. I'm curious to see if they can you know, get unshackled from Christian Hackenberg and sort of do the offense that James Franklin wants to do. Um, so we'll get into all of that, talk about what we think the Buckeyes are going to do, get some of your questions. Um, I think we have a soda question. We do. It's always good. Stay tuned. Um, but let's go right off the top. Ari Wasserman. This what? is the money prediction, by the way, just so we can get that out of the. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're running our fastest runner to start off the relay. Right. Is that the proper strategy? I mean, I know some. Because I'm not a closer. I'll tell you yeah. that. Right <laughs> like I think, uh, I think the Bahamas did that in some of their. Relays in the Olympics, and it didn't work. Um, are you? What are you picking for Ohio State for their 2016 record? Okay, I'm the Bahamas. Um, Ohio State, ten and two, two losses. <laughs> he screamed his prediction. Ten I just two. want you guys to hear me, man. Uh, ten and two. I, I think that I'm not going to get cute with who they lose to. I think they're going to lose to uh, to Oklahoma, which isn't a very you know, unpopular assumption given Oklahoma returns their entire team from a playoff team and Baker Mayfield is really good. Um, and I think they're going to lose to Michigan because um, it's the only other team on the schedule right now that I think can match up with experience and talent um, that Ohio State's going to have by the end of the year. 
And I'm not necessarily sure I'm confident in that pick to the point where we're sitting here right now in August saying, I think Michigan's going to win that game. But I think that this is a two-loss Ohio State team, and those are the only two teams on the schedule that I can really wrap my head around beating Ohio State. I think Ohio State will have two losses, but that will still be enough for them to go to the Big Ten, win the Big Ten, and then I think they will miss the playoff because they have two losses. Um, Before we get to Bill's prediction and my prediction, if Ohio State does that, let's talk about that specifically, if Ari Wasserman's 100% right with the team that lost 16 starters from last year that broke records with an NFL draft class, would Ohio State fans... Maybe happy is the wrong word. Would they be okay with that season? And that includes a Michigan loss. I think, and that's what I was going to interrupt you with, I think if that season was 10-2, and missed the playoff, win the Big Ten, and the loss was to Penn State, they'd be thrilled. Well, maybe not thrilled. I think they would live with it. Uh, the fact that one of my losses is to Michigan makes the season sort of a inconvenient failure from the sense that they're losing to their arch rival. And I think one of the biggest things Ohio State fans are really clinging to right now especially after the recruiting uh, day that they had Monday and the issues Michigan had on Monday, is that Ohio State still in their head is a vastly superior product to Michigan. And when Michigan's releasing all these Jordans and all these things and Jim Harbaugh's making the news, Ohio State fans always like to sit back and say, hey, all that matters is winning on the field and you guys can't beat us. So I think that there is a huge emphasis in winning that game this year. And if that's the reason why I think a 10-2 season with a loss to Michigan would be actually a failure in Ohio State fans' minds. Bill, you've been on the beat a couple of years now. In your opinion, will that Ohio State-Michigan game pretty much be about who has the better players and who gets coached better that game? Or because now they seem to both be, and I've been begging for this since I've been on this, my 12th season. Since I've been here, it's never been equal. And I've been everything I've covered has been Michigan stinks and Ohio State wins. I just I am waiting for the rivalry to be even, so that when you get into a game like that, they're both good, competent teams at the same time. Um, do you think if we get to that game, is it going to be about who's better and who has better players, or how much of this whole Ohio State's dominated the rivalry would that play into the actual game on the field this year? Uh, I don't know how much that plays into it. I, I think. I mean, it's evening up, and it's not even yet. Ohio State is still recruiting at, at a higher level level than Michigan is, so the talent is not quite even. I think it's close, and I think Jim Harbaugh's coaching, uh, obviously him and his staff, uh, have made it much closer. I know that last year's game was a blowout, but I don't think you can look at the way Michigan played last year and look at the way Michigan played the two years before, and you can't tell me that that's not a better coached football team. They just are. Um, so I think that, that comes into play much more than, I don't know, Michigan coming in with, um, like there's like mind games being played that Ohio State is superior to them in every way and Michigan's going to come in and sort of roll over and, and, and it's going to be like it's been the last few years when Ohio State wins. I, I think you're talking about a much more even playing field with these two teams uh, in a 2016 season where Michigan is talented and experienced and Ohio State is only one of those things. Ohio State has a much better quarterback than Michigan because Michigan doesn't even know at the moment who its quarterback is. I think it's of course, everybody in the world does this, and that's why we're doing it, and it's fun and interesting. It's, I think it's impossible to try to get any read on Ohio State-Michigan right now because it's at the end of the year. Ohio State's going to be such a different team, and I think – I feel like a lot of people are making some assumptions about Michigan that you're not exactly sure about yet because the one thing is this is still Brady Hoke's talent for the most part. Brady Hoke recruited Jabril Peppers. Jim Harbaugh didn't. Right, I mean, this right. is. I mean, this he, the yeah. greatest gift Brady Hoke could leave for Jim Harbaugh was, oh, by the way, here's the guy that we listed as the number one player in the Big Ten. This is uh, a Brady Hoke recruited team coached by Jim Harbaugh, but our our pal Dane Brugler, who was a great NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports, the other day said he was going through Michigan tape and he thinks they could have double digit draft picks next year. They had three. This past season, in a year when Ohio State had twelve, so uh, and that could be reversed now. I mean, I think you know Ohio, Ohio State, State might have five or six. Based we already on, went yeah. through that when we went through the roster. They're going to have some guys go pro, right? If it was twelve to six, that is a complete reversal of what happened last year. Is my point? It, it, yeah, I mean, you're, and you're talking about if Peppers goes pro, you're talking about the receivers, you're talking about Jake Butt might be as good as any tight end prospect in the country. 
Chris Wormley at defensive end. Um, that Taco Charlton's one of them, a Pickerington kid. I mean, you really, you really can. Jordan Lewis, Jordan is, Lewis is, is, yeah. is a, a top five player in the Big Ten and All American at corner. You can run through this roster and and you can find talent at every position. So um, we're getting way ahead. I just think it's we're all going to predict it, um, and I think we'll try to do this. We always try to do this during the year, but I think everything we do covering this team is going to have an eye on that game because we could be looking at it. It's, by the time we get there, it's, this is 10 seasons removed from the 2006 number one versus number two Ohio State-Michigan game. Um, we're not saying it's going to be number one versus number two, but I think it's, it's certainly looking like that game could be between the two most talented teams in terms of talent on both of them since that 2006 game. I just want to make it clear because I know that we're starting off with a very unpopular opinion <laughs> from at least most of our listeners. What, that Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan? Right. <laughs> the reason why I picked that game is because, and I think I said it, I just want to reiterate, I picked that game because I think that Michigan, based on the talent that we just listed off, is the only team that's good enough. Doug is a huge fan of thinking outside the box, and here's why Ohio State might lose to Northwestern. That is great. I never do that. I just pick the teams that I think have enough talent to win, and then I just, off the cuff, will pick that. So I think Ohio State, in my mind, is a two-loss team, and I'm just not going to pick Wisconsin because it just doesn't make sense to me. So the only one that does make sense is Michigan. Who did you pick to win the national championship last year? I honestly can't. Did I pick Alabama? Why did you pick Alabama? Because they recruited the best. Yeah. And were you right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, I did pick Alabama, but I did pick Ohio State to lose to Alabama. I was wrong. But I think that for the general consensus of the way this, this entire sport works is who has the best players and then let them play. And Michigan is the only team outside of Oklahoma on Ohio State's schedule that can even match up with Ohio State talent-wise. Thus, the very deep rocket science-based pick that I made. And still, but fascinating. I mean, and Ari will. Ari, shh, don't tell our bosses. Ari took like five coasters from the Cleveland.com office. And he uses them in his apartment. He just dropped one. I'm sorry. <laughs> He'll bring them back. Um, Ari will will write about this later, I'm sure. But it is still fascinating to me that all those things that you know, Dane Brugler's looking at Michigan tape and seeing this talent. Ari's talking about he's picking Michigan because they're the only team that can match up talent wise with Ohio State. It's Brady Hoke's talent. It's Brady. <laughs> It's not Jim Harbaugh hasn't even gotten his team in place yet. Now the other thing is, uh, and I've talked about this a couple different places. We all know the second year coach thing that that Bob Stoops at Oklahoma and Urban Meyer at Florida and Jim Tressel at Ohio State. Um, there have been a lot of guys. I think there's even more, but there are a lot of coaches who have won national championships in year two, and when you do that, you are winning it with the players from the guy who got fired for not getting it done in front of you. So Urban Meyer won a national championship with a lot of Ron Zook players. Jim Tressel won a national championship with a lot of John Cooper players. We're not talking about Michigan in the national championship. You can go out there and find enough people picking Michigan in the playoff, though. Imagine if Brady Hoke's players get Michigan in the playoff after the way people viewed Brady Hoke. That's probably a podcast down the line. Recruiting rankings matter. That's a true fact. Bill Landis, Ari yeah. Wasserman says ten and two. What's your Ohio State pick this season? Um, I, in a, a preseason poll, said that Ohio State was going to go nine and three, and I woke up this morning wanting to change that, but I'm not going to. So I'm going to say nine and three. Uh, I respect the methodology behind Ari's uh, ten and two record. I think it's boring. I think the point of doing these things is so that you make pick something weird, and if you're right, then you can brag about it at the end. If you pick the obvious thing and you're right, who cares? Nine. I don't necessarily think that picking Ohio State to lose at home to Michigan is that obvious. It's, I just it's, think, it's the most obvious loss you could pick, though. I like picking – what do people listen to this? Do people listen to it because they want to think about crazy stuff that could happen 10% or do they want to know what you actually think is going to happen? I don't know. I'm not saying that you don't actually think that. What I'm saying is, is that when I make my predictions, I make them based on what I think is 
most likely to happen and not based off of what's most interesting. But I think that that's also very interesting. Well, I'm, just, I'm not just like throwing crap against the wall. That's like, not what I, I'm implying. No, no, I'm I know that. But that like, there's some, I do put some thought into it. Like Doug goes like to the through the crust of the earth and like comes up with like crazy – People I mean, thought he was crazy for saying that they would lose to Indiana last year and they had to defend a game-tying right. throw from Xander Diamant I'm in about the fourth to quarter. Let's give the guy a compliment. He goes to the depths of the Earth's crust <laughs> to come up with these little things of, like, why a team that's a 21-point underdog might beat Ohio State. And, like, he's been right a lot of times. And Indiana was a tipped pass in the back of the end zone away from being the craziest call I would have ever seen. But, like, I'm just kind of like a... What are the recruiting rankings, and who's the coach, and who's the team, and who has talent, and then go from there, and that's just the way I do it. And I think for the most part, it's pretty foolproof. Anyway, I'm, pick, I'm picking Ohio State to also lose to Michigan. Um, <laughs> it's one of the three losses. Uh, Oklahoma is the other one. Uh, I I was hesitant on the, the two back-to-back road games in the middle of the season at Wisconsin, at Penn State, uh, I think are tricky, but I was very hesitant to, to, to pick now – mostly based off nothing, that Ohio State can lose one of those games. Uh, I think the fact that both Penn State and Wisconsin will be coming off buys will have an extra week to prepare for Ohio State, gets Ohio State at home at night. I think Ohio State could lose one of those games. Um, and I'm going to pick the Wisconsin game. Uh, I, I don't know. Penn State might have more talent. I, I said before I don't trust uh, James Franklin all that much. Um, I don't know why I have any reason to trust Paul Christ more. Uh, but I think Wisconsin is, is a little bit of a, a more tricky game um, on the road for Wisconsin, for Ohio State. So I'm going to say 9-3 and three losses at Oklahoma, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan. You go ahead and roll with Paul Christ on that. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you and Paul Christ can hop in that Badger convertible. I like Paul Christ because he looks like me. Drive all over the upper Midwest with the, uh, the Go Badgers horn. Um, Are you going to pick Michigan to beat Ohio State? No, I, no we'll get to my Because like, the reason why is I have more Michigan points. Yeah. So well, if no, I try to save more. them or will we go we get to okay. Ohio State-Michigan? Um, okay, so Bill's in the house at nine and three. Bill was in the house at twelve and zero a year ago. Um, let me ask this before I give my picks. Let me run through the schedule really quick, and you guys, I just want you to answer: Could Ohio State lose this game? As I run through the twelve game schedule really quickly, could they lose? Not are they going to, but could you know? Short of a lightning bolt hitting kind of stuff, could they reasonably, for football reasons and whatever else, lose? Okay? Bowling Green? No. No. Tulsa? No. Oklahoma? Yes. Yes. Rutgers? No. No. Indiana? No. No. Wisconsin? Yes. Yes. Penn State? Yes. Yes. Northwestern? Wait, you know what? Penn State, for me, no. In my opinion. Northwestern? (sighs) No. Yes. Nebraska? Yes. Yes. Michigan, uh, Maryland. No. No. Michigan State. Yes. Yes. Michigan. Yes. yes. Okay, so at least one of you said yes for six of the 12 games. Last year, it would have been two, right? Yeah. Right. The first 10 would have been no, 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 including the opener at Virginia Tech. You would have said no. Yes. Even though they had lost Virginia Tech at home the year before. And then Michigan State and Michigan, you would have said, yes, they could lose that, right? So it's just a much more interesting schedule. And I feel like the one thing that has happened, and this is a credit to Urban Meyer and his staff and the Ohio State players and the Ohio State program and the Ohio State culture and the edge and the chase and the grind and everything else. 50-4 and in four years, they certainly have not yet lost the game out of nowhere that teams lose all the time. It happens. You get into November in college football, every weekend there's a game that you say, I cannot believe that top 15 team lost. They have not lost that. They're 50-4. and four. They lost to Michigan State twice. Michigan State was really good. Um, they lost the uh, Virginia – well, the Virginia Tech game maybe, but like that was so early in the season. Like And Virginia Tech ended up stinking that year. Maybe I'm wrong on Virginia Tech. That was a national champion team that lost to a 500 team. But that was so early in the year with JT Barrett at quarterback who had never played before after the Braxton injury. And then losing to Clemson, a super talented Clemson team uh, in the Orange Bowl. 
I just think those games are out there. Bill, am I crazy to think that like those games are out there and that no matter how no matter how good you are, every now and then you're going to lose one of those games? No, I don't think it's to, crazy. To a team that you are better than, you're better than that team, but they beat you. It happens all the time. We were talking um, earlier today about Alabama and how Alabama schedules things and how they more often than not seem to lose an inexplicable game in the SEC. Like Ole Miss is good. Ole Miss is not as good as Alabama. They beat them the last two years. It happens all the time. I don't think it's crazy at all to think that those kind of games linger out there for the best of teams. It doesn't happen to Ohio State a lot. It does not. And I feel like that was the one thing Jim Trestle did best was almost never lose. They had the game at Purdue the one year. Almost never lose those games, which I do think when you're a great program, it's hard to get up every week sometimes. I only can think of the entire 10-year Trestle run. They lost to Purdue with Pryor. Is that 09? Yeah, 09, right? Yeah, I think 09. 09 or 10. I can't remember what year it was. It was 09 they lost to and 10 it was, he was a sophomore. And 10 they lost at Wisconsin, but Wisconsin, but Wisconsin was pretty good. Was pretty and they good. were jumping around. They ran the opening kickoff back. Right. And then the 2004 season when they lost three games in a row. But they weren't a very good team that year. So, for the most part, they avoided the upset. And has Urban had an upset? No, he hasn't. And then the only games that they've lost, they Other were Virginia, say, Tech. Virginia Tech. But... Virginia, yeah, it's not like they're losing to Indiana in the middle of the season. It just doesn't happen at Ohio State. It hasn't happened for 10 years except for once in, in, in Purdue. And that was a road game. And it was a weird season with a young quarterback. And they have this history of you you run through Ohio State in these conference games against all these programs that are the Big Ten teams that aren't top-tier programs. And it's just like, oh, yeah, in the last 30 years, they're 29-1 and one against this team. Or, oh, in the last 38 years, they're they're 37 one and you know, oh and one. They had a tie. What like they just dominate the middle of the pack and bottom tier programs. And so on one hand, and then I think it sort of makes it you almost feel silly picking, you know, Indiana to beat Ohio State, but every now and then I feel like you can get a vibe a little bit of something coming. And so that's what I sort of just at first blush, think with this team just because there's so many young guys, just because I'm not exactly sure who is the no doubt about it every week you can count on him offensive guy other than JT Barrett. Um, I just think those are out there. So I'm going to say 9-3. and three. I'm so excited to know what the third one is. And the one that I am most hesitant about is Michigan. Now here, I'm going to my nine and three includes a loss to Michigan. I, I don't know about Michigan. I, like I think the whole country could be out over its skis on Michigan, and Michigan could be staring down the barrel of a seven and five that nobody saw coming. Now their schedule is not very hard. Their schedule, I think, in a lot of ways, is like the Ohio State schedule last year because you start going through stuff. We'll run through it quick: Hawaii, Central Florida, Colorado, Penn State, Wisconsin. But those are both at home. Okay, Penn State, Wisconsin at home at Rutgers, not going to lose, Illinois. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven and 0 before they go at Michigan State. Then Maryland at Iowa could be a real game. Iowa's the favorite to win the West. Indiana at Ohio State. So they get to 7 and 0 probably pretty easily. And then they go have three road games in the last half of the season that they could lose all three of those if they're not playing very well at Michigan State, at Iowa, at Ohio State. But I think you're looking at a 7-0 Michigan team. How are they going to handle success? How are they going to handle being talked about at that same level as Ohio State? You know, maybe they won't go 7-5. and What if they got to 7-0 and and then lost all three of those red games and say start 7-0 and and finish 2-3? and I think that's on the table, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a good point. And, and I mean, I, we've I've been personally pretty high on Michigan, probably higher than I should be because it's all hype at this point. It's preseason college football. I think it's a good point to point out that maybe the rest of the country is a little too high on Michigan without having seen them play um, without a quarterback, which is, I mean, they don't, yeah. I'm not high on Michigan either, and I'm not confident in that pick. I think 10-2 and two is a safe place to be at this point, given what Ohio State's bringing back, and I do believe in the sense that if, Michigan's going to get Ohio State. This is the year they're going to get them. And this is a point that Doug's made uh, quite a bit, I think, uh, just in the sense of if a team is going to get Ohio State, this is the year. 
Because not only are they the youngest team in college football, isn't that a stat? They're the youngest team in college football experience-wise? Yeah, the Phil Steele magazine So they have them 128. That means that you know most of these guys are going to be back next year, and if they're in the top five right now, they're going to be a national title contender again next year, and then they're assembling one of the greatest recruiting classes I've ever seen in my entire life right now. So, you know, there's a certain level of Jim Harbaugh's in year two. He's talked a lot out in the media. He's poked at media members. He's said funny things on Twitter. It almost feels like this is about the time where they almost need the win. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat or he could get fired if they lose, but it just seems like at this point Ohio State's going to be the youngest it's going to be. It's going to be the most exposed potentially to a loss that it's going to be, and Michigan might feel it needs to win this game more than it ever has. So that's the other reason why I felt like it was safe to pick 10-2, and two, and Michigan was the one that I thought was the you know most likely other loss. So my 9-3 and three will be lost to Oklahoma, loss at Penn State. I'm betting on a Penn State bounce back, and I maybe they'll go 2-10 and 10 and I'll be completely wrong. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it, it's hard to judge this sometimes because especially in college football, when the players are constantly changing but the coach stays the same, there is absolutely a thing of, like, knowing how to win and not knowing how to win. So it is not a coincidence that Ohio State has won a lot of close games the last couple of years. But that over it was overtime. The last time they went to Penn State, it went to overtime. Yep. So could they – now they're going to Penn State again. Could they lose to Penn State? Yeah. Last time, the year they won the national championship, they went to overtime. So, like, I don't feel like that's a huge – limb to be out of. It's a really tough place to play. And if they have anything figured out offensively, I love Saquon Barkley. Like, I am irrational about him. (laughs) I think by the time they get to Penn State, I think he could be a Heisman contender. I think he could come out and be the kind of guy who rips off some 200-yard games in the first month of the season. And then all of a sudden, you don't have Darren Lee trying to chase him down. And you don't have Joey Bosa messing up stuff on the defensive line, making it harder for him to find holes. And all of a sudden, Ohio State's very good, but you say, oh, yeah. Remember last year how, like, I was writing stories about, is their defense good enough? Could you pick up the Ohio State defense and put it in the NFL? Oh, yeah. It's not quite like that this year. And that means Saquon Barkley, who ran for like 160 yards against him last year, might run for 210, and Penn State wins. I can see that. So that's my second loss, and then I'm going to call a Michigan loss right now with absolutely no faith in that, just because I don't know. Just because I don't know, and stuff happens, and no matter how good you are, it's really hard to beat a team forever, and they've beaten Michigan forever. So... um you know, with the option to change that pick when we get to the last weekend in November, but I'll call it nine and three right now. Do we want to talk? Because we we've all given our opinions on Michigan, and Doug and I have given our opinions on the the one loss that might come up. Do we want to talk about Oklahoma? Because I feel like we all seem pretty certain they're going to lose that game, and I feel like we should talk about why. Okay, so let's talk about it like this: What is the scenario in which they beat Oklahoma? Give me the Ohio State just beat Oklahoma. What happened to make it happen? Baker Mayfield throws three interceptions, one of which is in his own territory, and Ohio State converts. Mike Weber is the new Darren Lee, the guy that we don't really know is if he's that good yet, and then all of a sudden rushes for 250 yards in the first two games, and it's like, oh, okay, they've got that now. And... Um, Ohio State's youthful defense, I think just I think they have to cause turnovers. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I think that that's the biggest thing. I think that uh, because Oklahoma was in the playoff last year, there is a misconception about how good they actually are. Oklahoma is nearly as inexperienced as Ohio State, aren't they? You're looking at their page now. They don't have 17 starters back. Shout out to Phil Steele. Tag him in the uh, yeah. thing when we tweet the podcast. Just like everybody else in college football, we look at this Phil Steele preseason magazine as we talk about things. Uh, 13 returning starters versus six returning starters for Ohio State. What's the offensive line like for Oklahoma? We don't have to read Phil Steele live to you. I'm just <laughs> curious as I thought it might not be that good. Three returning starters. Okay. Mm. Forget everything I said. I think it's possible that uh, – sorry, go ahead. I, I, I'm absorbing your point. 
I just don't think that like they're not open. They're not playing at Alabama. They're playing at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's very good. Oklahoma has playoff aspirations. They have a really good quarterback who kind of plays like a crazy person, and I think that's why people like him. He's got a little bit of Johnny Manziel to him. He's a short guy who throws a ball off his back foot without looking who he's throwing at, and oftentimes that landed in the hands of the right guy. I think it's possible that maybe that throw lands in the hands of Malik Hooker when Ohio State goes there uh, in the second or third week of the season. Uh, I'm I'm not saying Ohio State is going to beat Oklahoma. I'm just saying that I think that it's not so cut and dry. I don't think Oklahoma are world beaters. I think they have a very nice team. They have guys back at important positions, but they're not – they haven't recruited at the level that Ohio State has recruited at, so I'm not sure that there's a huge discrepancy in talent level between these two teams. Their starting quarterback is a former walk-on transfer. I yeah. mean, it, he's not hes not Deshaun Watson. I mean, all the credit to Baker Mayfield, yeah – Here's the thing, and I hate this. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something I hate because maybe I'm wrong to hate it, but I hate the. Here's the theory of why a good team will lose because everybody thinks they're good, and a team that's not a good will not as good will win because everyone's telling that team they're not as good. But that's what's happening, right? Well, kind of like with you and I in one on one. Yeah, my calf still hurts, by the way. Um, Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. This would be interesting if Urban Meyer can spin this. Ohio State's the Big Ten favorite. In the Cleveland.com preseason poll, which is the only poll that matters because the Big Ten doesn't do one, it's the it's the official. Let's make it official. They were the overwhelming favorite. I think a choice of 27 of 39 voters to win the Big Ten. So it's like, oh, Ohio State's being overlooked. They're the Big Ten favorite. And they're number six in the country in the preseason. Like, it's... They're actually being given too much credit for what they have back. People are just assuming they're talented, and they are talented. Um, do you buy any part of Oklahoma's at home? Oklahoma's going to be favored in that game. Oklahoma is picked to win the Big 12. Oklahoma has more guys back. Ohio State's the road under road young underdog, and some type of Oklahoma's overconfident, Ohio State has a chip on its shoulder. All the cliches that I hate is any part of that in play for that game. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, it's all cliche stuff I kind of hate too. Uh, I think that in, in a weird way, and you can tell me if this is stupid, but like Oklahoma, I think if Oklahoma wants to make the playoff, it has to beat Ohio State. I don't know if the Big 12 is good enough that the Big 12 champion gets into the playoff without that kind of win, without the kind of win that a win over Ohio State would be for Oklahoma. And Ohio State has already been in a position that it knows that it can lose an early non-conference game and win the Big Ten and go to the playoff. I'm not saying they're going in there thinking we can lose it and it's okay. I think there's more pressure on Oklahoma to win this game than there is in Ohio State. Um, and that, in its own way, is, is a cliche like you were talking about, but I think that does factor into it a little bit. It's very possible that Oklahoma comes into this thing with like their season on the line in the third week of the season and plays a little tight. All right, let me spin this sort of to a broader picture. Same kind of question. Um, would we agree that Ohio State's team this year is not as good as last year's Ohio State team? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Okay. Is there any part of it that is it possible that this year's team will somehow make the playoff when last year's team didn't make the playoff, perhaps in part because last year's team was too talented for its own good and couldn't get out of its own way and didn't play up to its level for two and a half months and then lost the one game it couldn't lose while this team is young and hungry and all the stuff that is there any possible thing to that of course and you're always the, the proponent of losing and gain and like it's all about slack and credibility and I think a team that's not as loaded as a team like Ohio State was last year might get a little bit more sl- more slack and leeway with the committee and I don't know if that's even it's a crazy thing to say, but Ohio State, any loss Ohio State had last year was almost deemed inexcusable. This year, if a team loses to Oklahoma or early on in the season, it, there's an excuse for it, the same way there was in 2014 when Ohio State lost Braxton Miller and lost to Virginia Tech. Um, the only thing that, you know, we're talking pertaining specifically to the Oklahoma game, and the only thing that I always think about is, and I don't know if you remember this, Doug, but three years ago, you and I were standing outside of the Schottenstein Center, and we were shooting a video with Zach Meisel. Shout out Zach to when he was part of our team. And I said, Clemson's not going to the going to the postseason because they always blow it. And it's like, well, you can't just say that. It doesn't make sense. You need to have facts. And you're right. 
But there is a certain aura of Oklahoma blows it a lot that is in the back of my head, and I don't know what the reason is, and they haven't quite uh, you know, been the Oklahoma program that was winning national championships at Bob Stoops, and I kind of wonder if Oklahoma, the same Oklahoma team that lost to Texas last year, uh, could show up and maybe not win on the national stage because they have been really underwhelming on the national stage for the most part. Now, they did make the playoff last year, right. but I will say that I have seen some national college writers, and I think this similarly applies to Iowa in the Big Ten, um, that they're better when they're not expected to be good. No one thought Iowa would do that last year, and Iowa was a point away from winning the Big Ten championship as the only undefeated team in the country other than Clemson and going to the playoff, right? No one saw that coming. Now, Iowa's picked to win the West, and that makes me almost kind of think, well, they're not going to win the West because they're picked to win the West. And I think what you're saying is some of that would apply to Oklahoma. I don't know if people thought as much before last season Oklahoma is a playoff team. Now I've seen people saying, I don't like Oklahoma as a front runner. Give me TCU in the Big 12. And part of that is those programs that are undoubtedly really good but maybe don't wear the mantle of expectation very well. And Oklahoma is a playoff team that's returning their quarterback and twice as many starters as Ohio State. So, if, And they're playing on their home field. So, of course, I'm going to pick Oklahoma just because of – but when it comes to pure talent, and I always come back to this. If you haven't noticed the trend, then you're going to catch on. Ohio State has recruited immeasurably better than Oklahoma in the last four years, and I'll probably get to this in the next few weeks when it's that game week. But Ohio State's going to field a more talented team, and maybe Oklahoma's experience will make up for that and make them better. I mean, that's kind of the general thought process. But Ohio State is sneaky talented, and that might keep them in the game, even though all the factors on paper don't seem to be in Ohio State's favor. Here's one thing. I See if you guys agree with this. Um, no matter what happens at Oklahoma... I will not leave that game thinking Ohio State's playoff chances are dead. No matter what? No matter what. 51-10? No matter what. No, I think I, I think they show there's a way to play your way back from it. I, I, maybe 51 to nothing. I don't, I don't know. But I don't know if that's going to happen, but I wouldn't say. I, I think I agree with that, that sentiment that, that it's, it's an early non-conference loss. You're a young team against an experience. Like, they have like, there's all these built-in excuses for why they could lose that game that in November, if they're 11 and one and that's their one loss, yeah, I, I, I don't think that is detrimental to their playoff chances at all. Because they did um, they had as much as famously Reese Davis called the Virginia Tech loss an albatross around Ohio State's neck. And and I was basically 100% wrong, I think, that whole year of the first playoff year trying to analyze the committee. In the end, it's not – it's much less about was your loss a good loss to a good team. It's much more about are your wins good enough to allow us to look at a loss as a fluke. And they're so young, they only have six – and that's what that Virginia Tech loss was because Virginia Tech was not good – and they had a new quarterback. So by the time Ohio State got to the end of the year and showed on the field what they were by that point, they got all the benefit of the doubt from the committee. So to go, and that was a home that, loss. But that makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense in the context, context of Virginia Tech. If Ohio State gets beaten up by a playoff team, is that fall under fluke? Well, but the thing that they're going to have this year, and the schedule's going to be their friend. In the, in the modern world... In the playoff world, you want a tough schedule. It is no, It does Ohio State, in the end, honestly, and I go back and forth on this. I think I kind of write both things sometimes. Um, in the end, it really does not do you favors to have an easy schedule because you've got to beat people. You know, Unless you're absolutely going to go undefeated, you've got to beat somebody. So if they lose to Oklahoma, they lose 51-3 to to Oklahoma. If they come back and they beat Wisconsin on the road, Penn State on the road, Nebraska, Northwestern, then they beat Michigan State on the road and Michigan at home, right? I mean, you've lost some wiggle room. I don't know that any of us think they're going to be a two-loss playoff team, right? You lose to Oklahoma, you've got to run the table in the Big Ten, I think. That's right. probably fair to say. But if you do against that schedule, I think you sold it. I think you sell the idea of 
that wasn't really us, and now this is who we are. We are the team that just right. beat Michigan State and Michigan to end the year. And then, by the way, went and had to either beat Nebraska again or beat Iowa, who we haven't they, played, to win the Big Ten They title. say that the playoff committee will look at you for your total body of work mm-hmm. and not necessarily when your losses occurred. I think that's fake. I think when your losses occurred still matters because when your loss occurred gives you a chance to make your resume. I think consecutive wins on resume are different than if you jumbled it up. If you took the same resume and scrambled it up and you took the season and kept it in order, I think winning the 10 consecutive games after losing early is immeasurably better than if you were to jumble it up and lose to Oklahoma in Week 9 and have all the same other wins. So losing early still is advantageous if you're going to lose. They might tell you that's not the case, but I don't think that that, that's true. I think in the past it was advantageous to lose early because pollsters were dumb and they just dropped you when you lost and then you moved up and they were just terrible at voting. But I think in the modern world it's that the committee wants you to be getting better and they reward teams that are on an upswing on the field at the end of the year and losing early and then not losing late to them is an indication of that even though sometimes all it is is an indication that your schedule early was harder than it was late. I think there are some flaws in that thinking. I actually sort of am in favor of, you know, here are 12 pieces of the pie. We're judging you on the whole pie. All 12 pieces count equally. If you play your hardest games at the beginning or hardest at the end, whatever, you don't get a free pass for anything. It's, a, it's the totality. But I don't really think that's how the committee works. I think you're right. Um, Bill, do we have any... Uh, Questions from the people. We do. We got a few questions this week. Um, at Carl's Mustache on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> this is an awesome name. What's up, Carl? He asked for worst matchup on uh, on the schedule, and I think we kind of touched that. He asked if there's a trap game oh. on the schedule. Another thing I hate is trap games, except yeah. I think they're... <laughs> yeah. I'm just Didn't an we old... talk about trap games? I'm an no, old, he has a theory. I, broken uh, cliche of a man. Um, I hate trap games. I think they're silly. Um... I definitely subscribe more to the Ari Wasserman theory of things that the hardest games are the ones when you play teams with really good talent, and off usually the team that has the most talent wins. And 90% of Ohio State's games, if not more, are with teams that don't have as much talent? Here's your trap game. Ohio State has a stretch where they play four straight weeks. They play at Wisconsin, at Penn State, Northwestern, Nebraska. Those are all legitimate tests. Northwest, I mean, like people, Northwestern won 10 games last year. Right. That's a real team. Then they have a stretch at the end where they play Michigan State and Michigan. Between that four-game stretch and that two-game stretch, they have one game at Maryland. Maryland. At Maryland, at a guy who is a first-year coach in DJ Durkin, who has worked under Urban Meyer, who knows Urban Meyer a little bit, and... I don't know that the kickoff time is set for that. That stadium is not very big. We've been there. It is small. It does not – just doesn't get you hyped up. No. That, I think, is a – if it's a noon start and they're, they're caught in between those two sections of the schedule, that is a sleepwalk game to me where – and it's just a matter of is, is are you good enough to actually do anything with it? That one year Purdue was good enough that when they jumped on Ohio State, they could hold on and actually win the game. I don't know if Maryland has enough talent to do that. I think Ohio State might not even open its eyes until halftime. Like, am I nuts on that? Like, it's they also might win sixty nothing. I think you're pretty nuts, but if you're if you're going to pick a trap game that's like not Wisconsin and Penn State because that's obvious, it's interesting. Ari thinks you're crazy. Yeah. I hate myself for thinking it, but like it's standing. But like you were kind of. Here's the thing. You picked Indiana to beat Ohio State. Was that last year? Yeah. These years are going by too quickly. I spent too much time with Doug. You were kind of right. Like you weren't right, but like the sentiment from the prediction was right. So I think it's half and half of like. Are you actually right? Will Ohio State lose that game? No, absolutely not. They're not going to lose to Maryland. But if they win 28-17 to 17 and they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter, then you are kind of right. So it depends on what you mean by trap game. Could there be a sloppy, ugly win? Maryland, maybe. They're not going to lose. I might take the points that week. Yeah. Take Maryland to the points. Yeah, taking the points. That's not gambling advice, by no. the way. Um, 
But I do, and, and maybe I'm wrong with this. I do feel like if you're around the team long enough, you do get a vibe for the team and you can sort of feel stuff a little bit sometimes. And sometimes you're completely wrong. But I'll be curious to see what Ohio State is feeling like week to week during this season. Um, because that's the thing about a game like that. Either they're like they might be playing great and coming off four really good wins against four really good teams, and they're flying too high, or they might have lost two of the previous four because the schedule was kind of tough, and they might be down in the dumps as they're looking to Michigan State, Michigan. So anyway, that's my trap game, which I hate. <laughs> All right, we'll do. A, we have we have a couple, but we'll do one or two more because we're coming up against forty five minutes. Uh, this question is from at Black Stripe Blog on Twitter. Who will have more sacks this season, Sam Hubbard or Tyquan Lewis? They pointed at me because I don't know. Sam Hubbard. Hmm. Seems like a wrong choice. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, probably. I don't know, man. I, what, can somebody answer the question, did Tyquan Lewis have all those sacks last year because Joey Bosa's good? Is that real? I don't know. I mean, you can't have that many sacks on accident, so I don't want to take them all away from him. But I, I don't know. I, Sam Hubbard is the best defender outside of Raekwon McMillan and Gary on Conley on the team, and it's between him and somebody else. I'm going to go with the guy that is supposed to be the best player. It, it almost makes me want to go back and watch like all of Tyquan Lewis' sacks. I mean, there is some stuff to it. It's like, are they rolling the quarterback away from Joey Bosa right, right into Tyquan Lewis? You know, like the tight end goes in motion because he's always going to go help on Joey Bosa. Tyquan Lewis is always one-on-one. I mean, there's real stuff to that. Um, I, you know... I think Tyquan Lewis might arguably be the most underrated guy on this team just because I think a lot of people think, well, he just had a bunch of sacks because Joey Bosa was on the other side. I mean, he's only he's one of six starters returning on this team. And I think of the six starters returning, he's absolutely the sixth in terms of what people think, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I don't know, of, it's like hard to know what to – like, yeah. It's just hard to know what to think of him. So I don't want to discredit Tyquan Lewis – but I'll say Sam Hubbard. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be... Just go with it, the best guy. It's like that's the same philosophy that I have with the picking of the game. And I don't know that Sam Hubbard... Sam Hubbard might not be a better defensive end than Tyquan Lewis, but I think he might be a better pass rusher. Yeah, I think that's a good point. All right, let's find another one. Thanks for the question, Blackstripe. Yeah. And all those retweets, I noticed you. Okay, this one's a little involved, but this guy put some thought into his questions, and he did last week, so I want to ask his. This is from at Willicky on Twitter. What's more likely to happen? JT Barrett throws for 3,000 yards. Noah Brown has 850 receiving yards. Mike Weber rushes for 1,500 yards. Or Curtis Samuel has 1,200 all-purpose yards. Uh, I think it's pretty likely that JT Barrett has 3,000 passing yards. I think he had 2,800 in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They want to throw the ball more. And they don't have to throw the ball much more than they did in 2014 for JT Barrett to get a few hundred more passing yards than he had in 2014. Uh, I think most likely JT Barrett gets 3,000 passing yards. Uh, Does 1,500 rushing yards seem like a really high number for you guys from Mike Weber? How many does Ezekiel Elliott have last year? 9,000. I don't know. No. (laughs) Almost like 1,800. Yeah, 1,800. 1,500 is too high. I would go with JT Thor. I think it's possible the Ohio State run game struggles this year. With three new offensive linemen and without Ezekiel Elliott or Carlos Hyde in the backfield, just we don't we haven't seen it from Mike Weber yet. And those both those guys are like starting running backs in the NFL, which like that's they really have had a run here at tailback these last three years. So um, I think JT Barrett might have trouble running it because of those things because the defenses are going to key on him. I don't think Mike Weber is going to get to 1,500 yards because I do think they're going to integrate Curtis Samuel one way or the other in some of the H-back runs and that kind of thing. I think 850 is on the table for Noah Brown. If he's the number one guy, I think 850 is on the table for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I would take JT for 3,000 in that. Yeah, 1,200 all-purpose yards for Curtis Samuel seems very high. I would take Noah Brown. Noah Brown is most likely. I think the 3,000 passing yards and 850 receiving for Noah Brown kind of go hand-in-hand hand a little bit. Right, so. and I also think that 850 shouldn't be that much if you have a true number one. It's a great season, don't get me wrong, but I also agree that if one receiver has 850 yards, that might mean that JT will reach his goal as well. Cause I, yep. One last question. Dr. Pepper or Mr. Pibb, which do you prefer? Dr. Pepper, man. That's from uh, Stephen H., by the way, on Twitter. Doc, Mr. Pibb is like off. It's like buying fake Frosted Flakes at Walmart, man. Drink Dr. Pepper. Does Mr. Pibb still exist? I don't know. Of course it does. Not in my mind. That's it. That's all the questions. JT Barrett threw for uh, 
2,834 yards Nailed in it. 2014. The land is all over that. Okay, that's Buckeye Talk. You can read our stuff every day at cleveland.com slash OSU. Oh, I forgot to do the fake commercial. Shout out to Yankee Candle. Um, <laughs> it's, bl- it's burning over here. Let's do, just for 15 seconds, why do you guys love blizzards so much? We had a, an instance this week where uh, Ari said if he got 50 retweets of something, Bill would bring him a blizzard. Apparently, Bill didn't actually agree to that. But then no. Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports helped out Ari. He got more than 100 retweets, and uh, Bill brought him a blizzard. Yeah, so what I like about blizzards, and they have a new, I don't know if it's a new flavor, but it's a flavor that's new to me. It's peanut butter monster cookie, and there's a bunch of different things in there. There's M&M's, there are pieces of peanut butter cookie, then there's like peanut butter cookie dough, and there are little chocolate flakes in there. And I like not knowing what's going to be on each spoonful. It's all delicious, but there's a little surprise to it. It's perfect. This is coming from the guy who always gets the surprise dum dum lollipop. Mystery flavor. If you're not getting mystery flavor dum dums, you're not living your life right. Why do you love blizzards, Ari? I like cookie dough, and uh, I am not going to say that I have never bought raw cookie dough and ate it without a shirt on in my apartment before because I have. But it seems to me to get the it's the most easy. It's the easiest way to eat cookie dough without feeling like a complete slob <laughs> who has lost control of their lives. Uh, that's <laughs> right? So, that's so true. Because now the picture. <laughs> Now the picture I have is like you rubbing cookie dough all over your bare chest. I mean, has anybody ever sat in their apartment alone and eat raw cookie dough from a cookie package and ever wonder if your life is going off the rails? When you're eating a blizzard, everybody eats blizzards. You don't feel bad about yourself the way you do if you do something that's so primal, like eating cookies that haven't been baked by yourself in your living room. That is a gr- that is a great marketing campaign. Yeah, I'm like all the things is. that you do that make you feel terrible, but a blizzard is socially acceptable. Right? Eat blizzards; they're socially acceptable. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Dairy Queen. Okay. Thanks again for listening. You can find us on iTunes, mm-hmm. um, Buckeye Talk. Again, it's the most popular podcast in North America. Uh, you can find us at Cleveland.com/slash/OSU. Uh, Bill, Ari, and I write every day, and this uh, this season is coming. So stick with us. Thanks for reading. And thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk.